Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. I'm joined in the studio now by the new leader of the Social Democrats and TD for Cork Southwest, Holly Kearns. You're very welcome. Thank you, Claire. Congratulations on your, your new role. You've come a long way from somebody who won a council seat in Cork by just a single vote. You got elected then in uh, 2020 in the general election. And now you're the leader of a political party in the Dáil. Why did you want the job? I decided to go for it and give it my absolute everything because I think that this is the moment in Irish politics where the tide is turning and I think we can all feel that. And what I learnt in that, you know, like you said, I started off in the local elections by one vote for one. I learned the importance of every single vote. <laughs> um, but also that oftentimes when Irish people are presented with a more progressive alternative to vote for, they'll very likely take that mm-hmm. opportunity. And I saw that with marriage equality, with repeal, And I really felt it when I was knocking on doors that people wanted a more progressive change instead of always being kind of dragged, a government that's always dragged along by the people, that we could finally have a government that would lead that kind of a change. And what about the elder lemons who would say, never mind youth, what you need here is experience? Experience is so important. And I just think we need to start asking ourselves, what kind of experience do we want? Because just over a decade ago, you know, some of the most experienced politicians in the country bankrupted it. And... I know that people are saying that, you know, you're four years in politics and absolutely. And I've, I've learned a lot in those four years, but I also have experience of growing up on a small dairy farm, of waitressing through school and college, of working in disability support services. I have a master's in science and I think we need to bring different experiences to politics. And I think that they're very valuable and helpful in terms of policy making, in terms of understanding what people are feeling on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, and Did you expect there to be competition for the role? Because it seemed as though nobody else wanted the job when Catherine and Roisin decided to, to leave as leaders. I think I didn't know what to expect. Um, it all happened. Did you have to ring the other TDs and say, will you back me or? We all actually took the weekend to think about it, mm-hmm. you know, like we obviously Catherine and Roisin made their announcement on Wednesday, but like we heard on Tuesday and we all took the weekend to think about it. And when we met on Sunday, I talked, you know, to my family, to my team and thought about it a lot. Um, and I said to the parliamentary party that I, I, I wanted to go for it, that I felt I could reach those people that we needed mm-hmm. to reach who, like me, not that long ago, might not have an interest in politics, might not see themselves as somebody who politics feels or hears and I thought that I was in a good position to reach them and I put that to the parliamentary party and it all happened really quickly then yeah, they backed and me. people started to, to rule themselves out really quickly Gary Gannon did it here on the programme with us and, and so your role happened by default if you like would you have preferred there to be a, a competition? I think competition is good and healthy in politics and um, you know I was kind of gearing myself up for another election Um but look, that's the way that it, it unfolded. So you were prepared to go to go to battle for the job if you needed to. Yes. And um, Brendan Howlam was on the programme a little bit earlier on. I asked mm-hmm. him about your comments around Labour, a very definitive instant no when you were asked about a merger. And he said that comments like that only serve the right. What do you say? I don't know what Brendan means. I mean, I'm not trying to promote the right. And look, I think for the Social Democrats and for the Labour Party, we're really sick of being asked about it and it's not like I was bringing it up and trying to talk about how we're not going to merge with the Labour Party. It's mm-hmm. that I was asked and I, I said that, you know, I'm very ambitious about the future of the Social Democrats. And what, what that is doesn't your, include a merger what, with Labour. What is your issue with another party of the left, you, one that you have common ground with from a policy perspective? 
it's not that I have a particular issue with the Labour Party. It's that I don't plan to merge with the Labour Party. Um, I don't plan to merge with any party. That's mm-hmm. simply it. But we're asked an awful lot about well, the Labour Party. Well, let's, let's look at your, your numbers because you're sitting at around 4% mm. in recent polls, basically yeah. staying static. We had Professor Gary Murphy in the studio yesterday and he said, look, it's going to be a challenge to hold on to the six seats that you have in the Dáil. It's a fairly precarious position to then rule out a merger with a party of the left, which would give you strength. And I suppose the question is, what do you want to achieve? Is it, because if you want to be a party of government, mm. you will have to be looking for numbers. Claire, I think that one of the most important commodities in politics is trust. And let's face it, Irish politicians are not up on the top of the trust list for most people. And I do think that trust was broken between the general public and the Labour Party when they went into that government in 2011. And I'm trying to earn people's trust and build on that and build a party that is based on honest politics I have no interest in merging with any other party. That's not a particular attack on the Labour Party in the slightest. That's Mm -hmm. just who I'm asked about. Well, you just said that they've broken people's trust, so that's as close to an attack as As have Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't think they're unique in that. It's just, I don't want it to, it almost sounds there like I'm out to get the Labour Party. Not at all. I'm just always asked about it. So, having said what you said, could you see yourself going into coalition with the Labour Party? Yeah, I could. I would absolutely speak to any party about going into government and of course it'd be more compatible with parties on the left. Mm-hmm. And what um, about, Fine Gael, what about Fine Gael then? It's very difficult to imagine a kind of agreement in terms of programme for government with Fine Gael because I suppose we're, you know, a left of centre party. We believe that there's intervention from the state necessary where the private market is failing. And Fine Gael's policy is obviously further to the right of centre in terms of leaving things up to the private market and privatisation. So, so now you can already... We're less compatible. But you're still willing to talk to them. So now you can see yeah. why Labour made the decision that they did in 2011 because they felt that they could temper uh, those inclinations of Fine Gael at that time. I mean, do you accept that they went in with good intentions? I absolutely actually do. I think that most individuals... You may be in the same position yourself. I think that though, what we need to remember and what people were... I think what eroded the trust for people was it's not like they went into government in 2011 and didn't know what the climate was. It was a very difficult time and I do Mm recognise that. But you don't go in with promises and break those promises. Would you not say, here's what is possible to achieve, here is what isn't possible to achieve. And then you balance that with everything else and decide whether you want to do it or not. You don't promise things and then directly break those promises. And also, I think, Claire, as well, there's, I do want to explain that, obviously, for people listening, and it's not that long ago that I didn't know too much, and I think, oh, what's the difference between those left-wing parties? I understand that. And for me, the difference, and the reason I joined the Social Democrats, and I wouldn't be a TD if they didn't exist, that's another difference between us. I wouldn't have gone and stood and run for another political party. It's the way that you do things. So policies might sound similar, But there's different priorities within those things. So, for example, in the Social Democrats' alternative budget, we had a cost of disability payment directly in that budget that is costed. No other party had that. Mm -hmm. There's different priorities and there's different ways of doing things. And that has a profound impact, I think, on how you govern. The Labour Party... um responded to what you said yesterday about the, the potential merger and when you knocked it on the head. And the journalist Louise Byrne um, from The Mirror said that when the Labour Party was asked what the difference is between the SOC Dems and the Labour Party, a spokesperson said the Labour Party was founded by James Connolly, the Social Democrats were founded by Stephen Donnelly. What do you, what do you make of that? Well, I wonder why a spokesperson's going out with remarks like that. But look, I'd rather have 
being a party that has abandoned Stephen Donnelly than a party that's abandoned the principles of James Connolly. I don't know why they're making a comparison between those two things. Is it because it rhymes? Abandoned the Social Democrats. I think it seems like they're kind of scraping the barrel for something to say about this situation. But look, I do think it's equally kind of confusing and annoying for the Labour Party mm-hmm. as well. Both of us are constantly asked about this okay. and we have no intention of merging. Okay, so so uh, People Before Profit then, they sent out a letter to yourself, to Sinn Féin, other parties mm-hmm. of the left, not the Labour Party, uh, mm-hmm. wanting to have a conversation about a coalition after the next election. Are you going to be party to that conversation? Um, I haven't read the text of that, that letter yet. Um, yesterday was such a busy day, um, but I will absolutely get to reading it. And like I said, we'd be open to talking to all parties and we'd especially like to see a, a left-wing government. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we talk to any party. Led by Sinn Féin, you'd be happy to take part in that, would you? We'd have to go into those programme for government talks. And this isn't, I know that politicians come on the radio and they don't answer questions like this. I'm not trying to avoid the question. It would depend on the critical mass and impact we could have on government. And, you know, with Sinn Féin, we'd have concerns around climate action. We'd have to ensure that things like that were you know, set in stone in a programme for government. And it's really difficult to predict that because my job now as the leader of the Social Democrats is to really try and build on the foundations that have been laid by Roisin and Catherine. And that means finding uh, more people on the ground to get out, to knock on doors, more candidates, more people to vote, all of those things. So what we want to do is build on that and obviously try and increase our critical mass to go into government. We want to go into government, but we will not be going into government for the sake of it, to make up the numbers when we won't have an impact. We want to get our policies implemented. Yeah. So we need to and, build uh, our numbers to, to allow that to happen. So a lot has been made about your age and this generational change and you want to get new and younger people involved in politics. Mm. That is a very tall order because it is not an attractive profession for young people, particularly for young women. And you've been very vocal on the abuse that, that female politicians get. It's difficult to uh, tell people this is a nice place to be, isn't it? It is. I don't underestimate the challenge that is ahead of us at all. Uh, But I do know that there's a lot of people out there who would like something different, who would like a change and maybe don't see themselves as a person who would go for it. And I remember being at a a UCC politics event when I was on Cork County Council and it was the female um, elected members in Cork there. And it was so interesting that people were asking, how did we get involved in politics? All of us, Mm -hmm. almost all of the, and this is obviously a small snapshot, but had to be asked and asked again. And I think observationally, there's a difference for women getting involved in politics. Yeah, but didn't you say, had you known about the level of vitriol directed at female politicians, that you might have thought twice about entering politics in the first place? Yes, but I followed that with, I almost forget saying that because it was taken in, in out of context, I said, f- following that, I'm glad I didn't know because I don't regret this for a minute. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been asked, like, did, did you consider this in terms of going for the leadership? I did consider it. It is a consideration, but I wouldn't let it stop me. And I wouldn't encourage anybody else to let it stop them. But I do think it's important that we're honest with people about what it's like and that we say we're trying to address this. And we are. Yes. And so in your considerations, when you were thinking about the abuse now, that's probably going to be heightened because you're, I mean, this is just fact, isn't it? This is the way life has gone. Did you consider how you would deal with what's coming down the tracks in terms of, in particular, online abuse? Um, I mean, with online abuse, you can not look at it. It's a good method. Like, we need to recognise as well, the people who kind of level that kind of abuse at female politicians are normally faceless, nameless, mm-hmm. emailless Twitter accounts. You know, I don't want to give them too much heed. I don't want to dismiss the impact that it has on people either. But, you know, I think the best thing to do is take the measures that you have to take in terms of things like security and 
bits like that and then try not to let it impact on the kind of change you need. Because the only way I think to address this particular type of abuse that female politicians get is to get more women into politics. Yeah. So stepping out or not stepping into the other roles is not the solution. Now, you have welcomed the establishment of a Citizens' Assembly on drug use and I know you have a personal interest uh, in this. You've spoken before about your brother uh, and who you have said publicly died of a drug overdose. Do you think that we need to change how we address the drug issue in this country, given that you have a fairly unique understanding of what's going on? I really do think we need to change it and... You know, we have more deaths from overdoses in Ireland than we do from, for example, road traffic accidents. I think we've got the highest, third highest rate in Europe of drug overdose deaths. Um, and for, I suppose speaking from a family who's who's lost somebody, um, there's a lot of families in Ireland who've gone through that. And I remember actually after um, Sam passed away, people saying to me, it was just after the local election. And I remember a lot of people saying to me, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I was quite taken aback by that because I didn't feel any shame. I felt sad. Mm -hmm. And it made me realise the attitude that people have towards this situation, that they were worried that I would feel ashamed more than nearly anything else in that moment. And I suppose it just really highlighted to me that like that shame and secrecy and all of those things doesn't help people who are perhaps struggling with addiction because you can't then go and maybe get help openly and honestly, you should feel shame instead. Mm-hmm. And so Did I think it highlights the approach that we take in Ireland, this kind of criminalising it rather than taking a health-led approach, I don't think is working for us. And I don't think it's helping people who need it. And there's a lot of kind of suffering as a result of that. And I'm really glad that we now will have a Citizens' Assembly to look at the other models because other countries do take a health-led approach. And I'm no expert on this, but from what I've read there is a reduction in deaths and serious harm. So that's something we need to look at. And it's a shame, you know, there's three citizen assemblies in this programme for government. The Dublin mayor was prioritised ahead of the citizen assembly on drugs. And I think that's really important. But we're talking about deaths almost every day. So it should have been prioritised more. And it's always kicked down the road. The can is kicked down the road. And yeah, just it, I'm, I'm glad it's happened now, but, it, you know. Did your brother's situation and his death influence your decision at all to enter politics? Because you said it coincided with the local elections. Was that your first your first time to run that local election? Is that the one that you mean? It, it, he passed away, I think it was six weeks after the local election. Mm-hmm. So, so you no, were all, you were all, you'd already in, made your decision. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, in between the two elections. Mm-hmm. But, but. Clearly, his situation was was going on at the time when you were making your decision about what you would do with your own life. Did it have any influence on you at all? No, unfortunately, I wasn't aware you didn't of know. the situation that he was in. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't have an impact. But I think like everyone, different experiences in your life can open your mind or your heart to a particular issue. And of course, then when you're in politics, it drives you to try and change that at a national level. I mean, we can't bring Sam back, but you can try and help other families from from experiencing what we did. Just coming back very briefly to politics at the end, and I just, I'm mm. replaying in my head is what Gary Murphy was saying yesterday about the threat to the Social Democrats from Sinn Féin. Once they get their candidate selection sorted this time out, you guys are under serious pressure, including yourself and your, your own seat. Yeah, no one should take their seat for granted uh, in politics. And I remember in Cork South West, people used to say to me, that's a Fianna Gael seat or that's a Fianna Fáil seat. And like, ultimately, it's Cork South West seat. And yeah, Sinn Féin are on a rise and we can all see that and feel that. 
And I think part of the reason for that is because Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, people always thought, I'm Fianna Fáil or I'm Fianna Gael, almost like I'm Irish. It was almost something we kind of inherited and most of us from Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael family. And it got to a point with the crash, with housing, with healthcare, with disability service, people are just, do you know what? Done with it. You're looking out for somewhere else to vote. I wish the Social Democrats were older when that happened. What we're trying to do now is build fast and provide people with that other option as well. Mm-hmm. I think choice but you're in politics is important. Fill the gap. I think they did in that moment. But we're building, we're growing. We've gone quite quickly as well, like from when the party was five years old, Catherine Roisin had built it to the point of 21 councillors. They tripled their TDs to six, 35 branches over the country. We're building again. And I think what I learned, because I was quite fresh into politics when that happened, that like that was a three week election campaign. And before the election was called, Sinn Féin weren't doing that well in the polls. I remember when I got into Cork County Council seven months before that, they went from 11 councillors to two. Now they've got one. Mm-hmm. And then in three weeks, they were so nearly winning the election. Very things can change. And I right. think when people decide how to vote, the election's called, that's when people okay. decide how they're going to vote. We want to offer them a real alternative. The Social Democrats will be trying to get as many candidates in as many constituencies as possible. And I'm really excited about how much we can achieve. I'm unashamedly ambitious about it. Holly, thank you very much for joining us. Holly Kearns there, the new leader of the Social Democrats. Email today's CB at rte.ie.